If you have to defend yourself, who's going to believe you? If you're not guilty, then why defend yourself? Demonstrate it by your life. Demonstrate it by your speech. That not only you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you have a godly life and you have a holy life that you're living. And that's probably one of the hardest things for any one of us to live up to. Welcome to Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Roll Reese in Diamond Bar, California. We're glad you've joined us as Roll continues our series in the book of Acts. Reflecting on the powerful testimony of a humble believer named Stephen, you'll be inspired to respond to God's faithfulness with unwavering trust and obedience. Stay with us to see how a man who was first called to serve the Lord by waiting tables went on to fearlessly champion the gospel. Let's listen as Raul Reese begins. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts, chapter 7, one of the longest chapters in the New Testament. Believe it or not, 60 verses, which are just incredible when I was reading it. But let me kind of go back a little bit to the chapter before that, chapter 6, and kind of bring you back up to date, because the disciples were giving themselves to prayer and to the teaching of the Word of God. And there was a situation in chapter 6 where the widows were being neglected. So they went ahead, they prayed about it, and they appointed these guys to take over the congregation and oversee the congregation. One of them was Stephen. And Stephen was kind of like a special person that God was going to use in the kingdom of God. And in verse 8 of chapter 6, let me read. You don't have to go there. I'll read. He said, and then seeming full of faith and power, did great wonders, signs among the people. Somehow, he became God's chosen vessel. He would become the first martyr in the church. In chapter 7, he would be killed. God preparing his heart, preparing him. And then in verse 9 it says, And then there arose some from what is called the synagogue of the freemen or Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia disputing with Stephen. So the whole time these leaders were after him. And the reason they were after him, he made a stand. It's like the devil. He's always looking, how can I get this person to fall? What kind of bait can I use and catch these people and then take them to hell with me and totally destroy their faith in Jesus Christ? Stephen didn't care. Stephen made a stand and said, Lord, I am yours. You've baptized me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, now I'm going to give them your message. And what he's going to do, he's going to take them back to the Old Testament. He goes on in verse 10, he says, And they were not able to resist his wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. And then they secretly induced men to say, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. See, they were trying to set him up, to get him out of the way. He was making a difference in that culture. Maybe you find yourself in that situation. People hate you because you're giving the right message. God has touched your life. God has spoken to you. 
And somehow these guys probably were being convicted by the Holy Spirit and they thought, how can we shut this person up? What can we do to keep him quiet? They saw a difference. That difference was the Holy Spirit. He goes on to say, verse 12, And they stirred up the people, the elders, the scribes, and they came upon him. They seized him and brought him to the council. And then also set up false witnesses who said, This man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against the holy place and the law. He says he's speaking against the temple and against God's word. Against the temple and against God's word. And yet he was never spoke against the temple and never spoke against the law of God. They were convicted by the law of God. For we have heard him say, that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered unto us. And all who sat in the council, looking steadfastly at him, saw his face as the face of an angel. They saw something different. I wonder what people see in my life. I wonder what people see in your life. When you're in a moment where you're being falsely accused by someone. It could be family, it could be friends, or it could be enemies. One thing that I learned from Pastor Chuck, he says, don't ever defend yourself. If you begin to make excuses, you begin to defend yourself, the Lord will never defend you. And that is true. If you have to defend yourself, who's going to believe you? If you're not guilty, then why defend yourself? Demonstrate it by your life. Demonstrate it by your speech. That not only you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you have a godly life and you have a holy life that you're living. And that's probably one of the hardest things for any one of us to live up to. But Stephen did. And you're going to see in a moment here, it is one of the most incredible sermons that I've ever heard in my life. That he preaches verse by verse, chapter by chapter in the scriptures. I wrote a couple of things down that I thought would be important before we start the chapter. And not only this is the longest address in the book of Acts, which is most important, but also Stephen reviews the history, the history of Israel, and also the contributions made by the leaders, by the leaders. For example, you'll hear about Joseph, Moses, Joshua, David, and Solomon, his son. He's going to speak about these people that spoke the word of God. And you have to understand that Stephen had been falsely accused charged with speaking against the sacred law of God and against the Jews, which he had never done that. Look how he begins chapter 7, beginning with verse 1, his address here. And the high priest said, are these things so? So the accusations brought up against Stephen. I always think about this, and I write it down every time in my Bible. The devil is always trying to stop God's work And he uses men to do it. Uses men to do it. You have to be careful from the work of God being stopped by men. By the devil. If God has called you, if God has saved you, if God is doing all these things in your life, then what do you have to fear? You have to continue to do what God's called you to do. To be obedient to the word of God. 
And you would figure that maybe here, Stephen, he's going to defend himself. But in verse 2, he says this. And then he said, brethren and fathers, listen. He wants to make sure you guys pay attention to what I'm going to tell you. Stephen is going to rehearse the history. Very history that has been given to them as a nation from the beginning of the nation of Israel going back to the Exodus. So he says, the glory of God appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he ever dwelt in Herod. So what happens here, Mesopotamia is the home where Abraham's ancestors were to the east of the Euphrates River where they had grown up, where they were settling. But then if you look at what he says here, the fathers here, we brethren and fathers, some of the chief fathers were there in the presence of Stephen, and they were falsely accusing him. And that's why he brings up Abraham, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, David, and Solomon. And then he says and said to him, get out. Now that's what God said to Abraham. Get out of your country and from your relatives and come to a land that I will show you. Abraham's call by God. In Genesis 12, 1, you find that. Now, let me put this here tonight. And he says to you, put your name on there. Get out of your country, from your relatives, and come to a land that I will show you. If you put everything behind you and you put yourself in the center of my camp, I will show you what I want you to do. You have to make the choice. Because a lot of times we put our family before God. God has to be first in our lives. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And then he says in verse 4, And then he came out of the land of Chaldeans or out of Babylon. The land of Babylon. That's Abraham. He says, and dwelt in Haran. And from there, when his father was dead, he moved him to this land, which you now are dwelling in. So here God removes Abraham, or causes him to migrate, moving him away from where he lived before previously. But then this land that he's talking about here, he's speaking of Israel. See, Terah, his dad, had died at the age of 205 years old. Abraham at that time was 75 years old when God called him. This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. It's our joy and privilege to support your faith walk with biblical truth. Call 800-634-9165 to order Raul's study of the Holy Spirit and visit somebodylovesyou.com to browse our entire selection of resources. Now back to the final part of today's study. Verse 5, he says, and God gave him no inheritance in it. No inheritance. Not even enough to set his foot on. But even when Abraham had no child, he promised to give it to him for a possession and to his descendants after him. He was 75 years old. He left Haran. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac, his son, was born. 25 years later, Isaac was born to Abraham and to Sarah. What's so awesome is that Abraham becomes a type of God the Father and Isaac a type of Jesus Christ. When you read Genesis chapter 22, you go back there. 
And you begin to see the call of God as Abraham is sitting there. And then one evening the Lord comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, in the morning I want you to get your son Isaac, your two servants, and I want you to go all the way to Jerusalem, three-day journey, and I want you to kill your son for me. I want you to sacrifice him for me. The next morning, Abraham didn't even tell his wife Sarah. He got up, got his two servants, got his son. He had the wood. He had the knife. And they're on their way, three-day journey to Mount Moriah. When they get close to Mount Moriah, as I see Mount Moriah, Abraham stops. He says, okay, you guys, you guys stay here. This is so cool. You guys stay here. The lad and myself are going up there and we will be back here again. We will be back here again. How did he know that? He took a step of faith. What does he do? He takes Isaac. He carries the wood. He has the knife. And they're going up to Mount Calvary. And Isaac looks at this altar. He says, well, dad, here's the altar. Here's the wood. Here's the knife. But where's the sacrifice? And he says, God will provide himself a sacrifice. What does he do? He takes Isaac, his son, and he submits to his father. He's probably about 37 years old. Abraham's almost 100 years old. He submits to the father. And what does he do? He lays on our altar. And Abraham takes that big old knife. And he raises it up, ready to kill his son. Abraham, he says, I have seen your heart. You don't have to kill your son any longer. And what did God do? He provided a sacrifice for him. There was a ram caught in the brush. He took him and killed him and then sacrificed him. But symbolically, typology. When Abraham's on his way up to Mount Moriah, he becomes a type of the father. Isaac becomes a type of the son, Jesus. Isaac carrying the wood is the what? The sign of the cross, the wood. Carrying the wood, carrying the cross. And looking at what the scripture says and the way the scriptures are delivered to each one of us individually to understand the Old Testament into the New Testament, that the sacrifice already had been spoken 2,000 years before Jesus died in the same place in Mount Moriah. Give his life for the sins of the world. That's why it's so important to read the Old Testament. I keep saying it all the time. Because if we don't read the book of Genesis, how are you going to understand the New Testament when those scriptures are given to each one of us individually to read, just like tonight? How would you know that he's speaking about Moriah? The three-day journey that he took to kill his son. And then as God not only honored his voice, honored his word, because Abraham didn't have to kill his son, but 2,000 years later, God the Father's son would be dying in the same place. Jesus died for the sins of the world. God knows exactly what he does within each one of our lives. What is God asking you to do? I don't think he's asking you to kill anybody. But what is he asking you to do? I know for sure one thing he's asking you and me to do. To die to yourself. If you really want to serve me, if you want me to use your life, then die to yourself. If you remember in the gospel of Matthew chapter 16... In verse 24, he says, if any man wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Death, denial, obedience to the kingdom of God. And then we can become like Abraham. 
Lord, here am I. Send me. Whatever you want to do in my life, Lord, I will do. As long as you lead me and guide me, you provide for me, Lord, I will take that leap of faith in my life. And it's all about faith. Take him that leap of faith. He goes on in verse 6. He says, But God spoke in this way that his descendants would dwell in a foreign land. And that they would bring them into bondage and oppress them for 400 years. This was the prophecy God sending Israel where? Into Egypt. For how long? 400 years. Notice, he's bringing up history for all these Jews. 400 years they would be in Egypt. 400 years they would be in bondage as God took 70 people down to Egypt. And when 72 people were in Egypt, later on, remember the children of Israel, what happened? They multiplied because the king, the Pharaoh died that allowed Joseph to come into Egypt and allowed his family to come to Egypt. When he saw the multiplication of the males, Jews, he decided to say, you know what? We got to kill every firstborn of the Jewish people. But spare the women. And what happened? Moses, being born in Egypt, began to see that these Egyptians were torturing the people of God, which were his people. He didn't know that. The first 40 years of his life, he lived in Egypt as a son of Pharaoh. And then when these things began to happen and God began to work in his heart, when he killed that servant and buried him in the sand, and not only everybody found out that he was a murderer, he left to go where? He went to the desert. Forty years God had him in the desert till he could learn how to be a nobody. He was somebody. He became a nobody for 40 years then. After 40 years learning that he was nobody, that God was everything in his life. What did he do? He sent him back to Egypt. At 80 years of age, he sent them back to Egypt. After the children of Israel, 400 years in bondage. And then Moses coming along and going to the Pharaoh 10 times. I'm not going to let your people go in any way. So God had other ways to release his people. The first Passover takes over in Exodus chapter 12. The first Passover. When Pharaoh says, okay, you can take your people. But don't go too far away. And then what did God do? He takes Moses, he takes his people, and on their way out, now they begin their journey. An 11-day journey that took 40 years for them to travel because of disobedience. Because of disobedience. They would never see the promised land. The only people they would see the promised land would be Joshua and Caleb. And the sons of those that came out of Egypt, and for 40 years they wandered in the wilderness. Once they died, then Joshua, Caleb, and then were entered the promised land. And all the history that is bringing about here, the 11-day journey that took them 40 years to travel into the promised land. Because he says in verse 7 again, And the nation whom they will be in bondage I will judge, saith God. And after that they shall come out and serve me in this place. What place? In Jerusalem. They will come to this place and they will serve me. In verse 8. And then he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham begot Isaac, circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot the twelve tribes of the twelve sons of Jacob. 
I wonder what he was thinking in his mind. Recognizing that he had been born in a house of a heathen home. And recognizing that they didn't circumcise themselves in those days. But to become a Jew, to become God's people, God asked every male to be circumcised. And then to be circumcised and to come to that place and say, Lord, whatever you call me to do, I have done. What else do you want me to do in my life that I want to be obedient to you? And being in Egypt, all of a sudden God uses him. Look what he says, verse 9. And the partridge, becoming envious, sold Joseph into Egypt. He says, but God was with him. So after the 400 years of being in Egypt, what takes place is now that Joseph is sold by his brothers, remember, into Egypt. God uses Joseph now in Egypt as he becomes God's intercessor. The one that will not only lead the children of Israel. But notice what it says. He says, but God was with him. With who? With Joseph. The record up to this day, Joseph was hated by his brothers. Totally hated. They wanted to kill him. They sold him to go to Egypt. And there in Egypt, God began to use him in the house of Pharaoh. He began to become a great person in the house of Pharaoh. But then you have to understand also that he was the first one to be sold to the Midianites. That's the first one that took him. And then the Ishmaelites in Genesis 37, 25 to 28, he sold them to Potiphar. Remember Potiphar? When he went to Egypt, Potiphar was a very wealthy Egyptian. He had a wife in chapter 39 of Genesis where he was sold to the house of Potiphar. And Potiphar had a wife that was very lustful. And so one day, Joseph was cleaning the house Her husband was gone somewhere, and she began to seduce Joseph every day. Joseph, come lie with me. Come lie with me, Joseph, every single day. And one day, as he came in, her husband was not home. And as he came in, she got so lustful, she jumped up and grabbed a hold of him and tried to take him down. And because he was a man of God... Because he would not sin against God. That sin would be against God. He started running and she took off his garment and he ran out naked out of the house. But he would not sin against God. And then she turns around like Satan and says to her husband, Joseph, try to rape me. And God is using all these things because as she lies to her husband, her husband takes him and puts him in prison. And God uses him in prison. He becomes one of the leaders in prison overlooking prisoners. And then God uses him in prison as two of the servants of Pharaoh were cast into jail, into prison. And they have a dream. And then Joseph gives them the interpretation to the dream. He says, one of you are going to be released going back to the Pharaoh. And one of you, he says, the other one is going to be beheaded by the king. And everything that he said was coming to pass as God would give him the interpretations. Joseph, the man that God chose to oversee Egypt, and as God not only would bring his family to Egypt, 72 would come to Egypt. They became a huge family of Jews. Well, as a believer, you're constantly going to encounter opposition that Satan throws in your way to try to stop you from doing God's work. 
We hope today's lesson has been a challenge for you to persevere as Stephen did, trusting the Holy Spirit to guide and strengthen you. You're listening to Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. Today's program is available with much more teaching and a complete unedited version. We'll send it to you for a donation of $5 or more. Just call 800-634-9165 and ask for the study from Acts chapter 7. We'd also like to tell you about Raul's four-message series focused on the unique role of the third member of the Trinity. Available on either CD or flash drive, this study of the Holy Spirit provides clarity into how He can fully equip you to serve the Lord in mighty, meaningful ways. Visit SomebodyLovesYou.com or call 800-634-9165 to place your order. We'll send you a USB drive for a gift of $12 or the CD collection for $19. Our number again is 800-634-9165. You can also write us at Somebody Loves You Radio, P.O. Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. Be sure to make use of all of our free resources. Join Roll for Straight Talk on his YouTube channel Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific. For podcasts of these programs, look for us on iTunes and Spotify. You'll also want to download our free app to gain convenient access to even more faith-building resources. If you have Bible questions or prayer requests you'd like to submit to Roll, you can email him at pastorroll at somebodylovesyou.com. Somebody Loves Your Radio with Roll Reese is fully listener-supported, and we are grateful to the generous partners who help us share the wisdom and encouragement of God's Word. Every contribution is tax-deductible. Next time on Somebody Loves Your Radio, we'll get more inspiration from the Book of Acts. As we ponder how ordinary men made extraordinary progress in spreading the gospel, you'll see how the Holy Spirit led and equipped them in their God-given mission. This program is sponsored by Somebody Loves You Radio in Diamond Bar, California.